0: businesses are increasingly realizing the need to be sustainable, leading to a growth in practical ways to go green. The transportation sector is a prime example of this. I'm Adrian Maven and for this EVQuest podcast episode, the focus is not on electric cars, it's in the skies, looking at changes in the aviation industry. I'm talking with Christopher Boyle, Executive Chair and Managing Director of Fabrim. FABRIM is an innovator in zero-emission transition technologies. The company's core areas include green, hydrogen production, storage, dispensing, and system integration. Customers include NASA, Rolls-Royce, Rocket Lab, and the Hamilton Jet. Hello, Christopher.
1: Good afternoon, Adrian.
0: Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Pleasure. Um, maybe just a bit of a bit more of an overview of your business, because that was really just sort of scratching the surface. Because um, I was on your website, and it was just sort of endless things you were doing, I kind
1: of thought. Uh, So the company was founded um, by Hugh Reynolds and myself 20 years ago. Uh, We're both ex-Canterbury University students. Um, I'm an electrical engineer. He's mechanical. The business was set up to create pathways for uh, Kiwis to apply innovative design concepts here in New Zealand but deploy that technology globally. And particularly leveraging Canterbury's rich history of manufacturing capability, and putting technology out there that enables humans to tread lightly, i.e., do more with less for longer. So we we started off doing superconducting systems for power systems for motors, generators, MRI, etc. That's what got us involved with the likes of Siemens, Brooker, uh, Rolls Royce, um, and others. And over that time. We developed an expertise in uh, composite uh, systems for storage of cryogens, very cold liquids, and also in the production of cryogens, i.e. cryocoolers, which have a very, very low temperature fridge. So they operate at sort of minus 250 degrees.
0: Yeah, because I was watching that video, the Callahan Innovation video, and then it's, it's like, oh, that's interesting, interesting. And then you go, and then you got an email from NASA. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we we were uh we exhibit around the world at a couple of key conferences to do with superconducting technologies or cryogenic technologies. And at one of those, uh there were a group from NASA that were attending and they saw what we were doing. So one day this email pops up saying, Look, we've got a Mars lander project that we're doing. We need to sublimate CO two on Mars for uh, breathing oxygen and fueling for return rockets. Uh, we think your technology might work so we embarked on a uh, development project with them developed a specific piece of technology which exceeded expectations um, and it's become another one of our cornerstone technologies
0: Mm. is it having based in Christchurch going sort of going to the world or is it, it work better
1: being in Christchurch. Yeah, it's a, it's a really two-edged sword, that one, right? So the great thing is there's lots of aircraft around, so getting there's not too hard, but it is it's time consuming and it's expensive. We do a lot of offshore travel in terms of being in front of our audience because ultimately business is about relationships and you you know, you've got to build relationships of trust. So a lot of travel. The other part of that is because we're so remote from the rest of the world. A lot of our clients have great confidence in our ability to work remotely, uh, retain confidentiality, and apply novel thought to a lot of their solutions, uh, which is one of, one of our cornerstone traits. Is that we we tend to operate in, in the spaces that others don't.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, wow, I never heard these guys. And this is clever. I was just, I was quite amazed at how much you were actually doing in you know international contacts and everything that was quite
1: impressive yeah most of our probably 75 to 85 percent of our work is all offshore
0: and that kind of leads into um the hydrogen consortium on the aviation side of things yep. which i was reading about. how did that come about
1: uh well as you know <clears throat> hydrogen's one solution that can be applied uh, in some of these hard to abate areas for carbon reduction emission reduction Obviously, aviation is around about 2% of the world's emissions, so they are striving to find solutions um, to get rid of that. We, the composite, the composite tank storage that we do enables us to do very lightweight, vacuum-insulated liquid hydrogen storage systems, which is perfect for, um, for aviation. So... We ended up doing some. We're doing projects in the UK specifically around aviation fuel storage on aircraft, but also ground-based infrastructure for uh, liquefaction of hydrogen from a gas to a liquid storage, dispensing, and we we design, build the whole system. So as a result of that, working with a number of the global players in aviation, when Air New Zealand, Airbus, etc., put together this consortium. For what does aviation look like into the future in New Zealand? Um, one of the key players they came to was us because we are uh, we understand globally what the technology is, where where it's going, we're a contributor to that uh, development of that technology, and we're a manufacturer of it. So it sort of made sense to have us involved in that consortium to help them understand what's a what's a pathway of new tech as it rolls out. How's it going to be adopted into aviation? What are the requirements for the ground-based infrastructure? Um, so we were brought on with Airbus, Fortescue, uh, Air New Zealand, Christchurch Airport and Haringa to support the the thinking and build-out of what that pathway of aviation hydrogen looked like for New Zealand into the future.
0: And what's the time frame for... Um...
1: Oh, good question. Actions. Good question. So, you know, um, Air New Zealand, Airbus, et cetera, will talk about, Hydrogen for commercial flight by 2030, and that you know that's fully, fully CAA validated, etc. Where you have confidence as a passenger to climb on board one of these aircraft. The reality is a number of the clients we're working with uh, offshore are already adopting liquid hydrogen as a fuel source onto aircraft, and they are flying either now or will be flying within the next six months, um, and they would expect to have that technology. Commercially available by twenty six, twenty seven, which is short, right? It's a short time frame.
0: Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's just round yep. the corner. Does so, that I mean you guys have to work a bit faster then?
1: <laughs> we always work fast. <laughs> it's a great thing about being at that front end of technology yeah. development. Everyone's got unrealistic expectations of how quickly it can be done. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but that's a challenge we revel in.
0: I think I read you'd, you'd done something with electric planes as well. Was it? That- yep. Some involvement yeah, we way.
1: we did. We um, we worked with um, X out of Australia when they were based there. They're now up in Seattle. Um, we did the design for manufacture of their uh, high copper content um, M500 motor, which is a electric motor. It was fitted to a De Hevel Beaver up in uh, Seattle, and it was a battery powered plane. They were doing twenty five minute flights with about a forty five minute recharge. Uh, carrying, I think, around 12 passengers. So great little puddle jumper, a good solution for commuter flight. Um, So yes, we built those. We built 10 motors for them so that they could roll out that tech. I believe they're now, those motors have been used in a couple of other applications for aviation and they're now moving to a hydrogen fuel, um, which is what we proposed to them five years ago, that they needed to go to hydrogen. Batteries isn't really a solution. For flight, once you want to get past, say, thirty-minute flight range. Oh, okay.
0: So hydrogen can sort of do the. The plan is for the, like the international longer flights. Is it going to be? No,
1: like it's active? no. It sort of it, sits in that. It, um, like for New Zealand, it's perfect where you're doing three hundred yeah. to a thousand kilometres. So hydrogen fits that gap really well, um, and it'll reach to Trans Tasman. Um, problem is, we have to. You, if you want to go further than that, you're probably going to tow a trailer to carry the uh, the rest of the hydrogen, liquid hydrogen you need. So I think what you'll see is the world will adopt more of the ESAF, um, the synthetic um, aviation fuels, for that longer distance in the near term as they work on a, a longer term solution.
0: So what's the biggest challenges at the moment getting, um, going from where you are now to that 2030 date?
1: Uh, supply chain. Um, everyone yeah. talks a big game that they've got an answer to it or they can they can deliver but the reality is uh, people are still you know th- there's a struggle for them to deliver the product as they specify it so we find ourselves having to work with a lot of our suppliers and help them fix some of their technical issues or in fact uh, fix it the out fix it ourselves so that's a challenge the supply chain uh, the other one is. You know, we're in a bit of a crunch period economically globally at the moment, so there's this real pressure point on how do we decarbonize and clean up our world, but at the same time, the economy's, you know, in a bit of a toilet as well, so the funding's not necessarily there. Um, and it, you're in this step change of, of adoption of technology where there's some commercial economic impacts to be the first ones to step in, so it, it requires some degree of government support. And that comes down to government mandate around what does environmental or climate change look like. So you know, those are some of the challenges at a technology level. We've got it. Um, there's a clear pathway for what we're doing, um, but those other those other factors restrict it.
0: Oh yeah. What about just the general aviation people? Are they all are they on board or a bit not sure? No, they they sort of like the cars were.
1: Oh look, you know, it... it's like turkeys. Don't vote for an early Christmas, right? So <laughs> where you've got existing suppliers that have an embedded piece of technology, the longer that carries on, the longer they have a revenue source, right? The reality is, the core driver here is we've got to clean up our environment. We've got to sort out our emissions. So change is required. Um, and it's about people getting comfortable with that next alternate. Safety is absolutely paramount. So there's a some high thresholds you've got to reach before you can um, get confidence from consumers, which is completely understandable. But yeah, you know, there's this ongoing debate about are batteries better, is hydrogen better, do we just keep burning dinosaurs? Reality is we're in that phase now where we're looking for solutions. So there's going to be a multitude of them provided and one or two of them will win out as a long-term solution.
0: Mm. You've had that. you got a sort of – there was a PDF, wasn't there, um, of, your, of the consortium vision, yeah. which sort of highlights what, you, what, what the plans are.
1: Yeah, it's about scale. So it impacts on a lot of things. One of them is power generation. You know, hydrogen is power intense, um, whereas people argue batteries aren't, but reality is you've still got to generate power for batteries. Um, batteries are great when you want to go light and local, but when you want to go heavy and long – you need an alternate. Liquid hydrogen is great for that. takes a lot of energy to make it. Um, so it requires governments to step up and say, right, let's review our energy policy. How do we make more green hydro- uh, more green energy? So, you know, there's a bunch of those things in there as well. Um, but they're good problems to have.
0: Yeah, and I've heard a few people say New Zealand's like an ideal place to be sort of doing the hydrogen stuff. Um, what are the opportunities say, the next 20 years or so for for New Zealand in the green hydrogen space? Well,
1: you know, at the moment, we're a net importer of fuels, right? So all of our petroleum products get shipped in. Um, The difference with that to, say, hydrogen or EVs, for example, is that we've got 85% renewable electricity already in New Zealand. We can do more with that around wind, solar, maybe hydro. So we've got the ability to grow our energy production. So the technology is getting made here as well for hydrogen. So we've got this ability to reduce our reliance on other countries. And you can see that at the pump price, right? Someone has a bad night or a cold or a, a, a biffo offshore, and suddenly the price of oil to us goes through the roof. Hydrogens are really great, and EVs, is a great way for us to take greater control over our input cost of uh, fuel, especially for freight, transportation, etc.
0: As a, as a company, um, what's Fabrum sort of looking into the future with their advancements? Is there any sort of general plan? Oh, I guess it's a general plan, but any sort of new things?
1: yeah there's
0: where's, where's, where's
1: well, going? So, key things for us are supporting the adoption of the hydrogen infrastructure so we design and build fuel stations we manufacture electrolyzers in the country we do liquefiers, uh, fuel dispensing systems storage systems for onboard trucks we're supporting hwr richardson with a rollout of the dual fuel uh, hydrogen uh, diesel truck fleet Uh, and others will buy into that technology. So there's a pathway for decarbonizing or reducing carbon emissions for truck. So we're heavily involved in that uh, with HWR. Great, great group to work with. We're obviously doing a lot in the aviation space and heavy mining, decarbonizing the mining side of things. We operate currently in Australia, UK, uh, East Africa, India, um, Europe. South America, America, and Canada. So pretty widely spread. America's got a massive um, draw on it with the $380 billion spend on the Inflation Reduction Act for hydrogen support. So a lot of activity there. We've engaged with a number of key players to develop technology for them to make the whole hydrogen process more efficient. So that's, that's the future of the deployment of our tech is just getting the cost per kilogram of hydrogen
0: down. I guess sort of like EVs are sort of taking off. Is hydrogen sort of going to be a little bit behind or?
1: Yeah, look, EV infrastructure pretty much exists. If you want to, you plug in hybrid, you can charge at home, right? When you start traveling a bit further and you want to do a rapid charge, the infrastructure is getting built in New Zealand for that. Uh, Most other countries have a large infrastructure for EV support. Um, It's costly, it's expensive hydrogen's got no infrastructure at the moment it needs a rollout of fuel stations uh, you know there's a there's tipping points once you get baseline infrastructure available then you'll see a number of trucks and cars buses etc will will pivot to hydrogen and then you'll see a rapid adoption of it similar to what you're seeing with ev at the moment
0: yeah the trucks are going to be soon out the north Island, for example there's that sort of circle oh that Link Auckland-Hamilton, Tauranga. Yeah,
1: yep. that's what is building out at the moment. Um, yeah. We're doing a fuel station in Auckland, one in Invercargill, one in Christchurch. Um, so there'll be a South Island uh, routing as well. And the great thing with the dual fuel tech, you run out of hydrogen, it just keeps running on diesel, so you don't have range anxiety around fuel. So, yeah, there's there's a number of technologies that are pulling or well, piling into the market to, to overcome some of the current challenges around... Access to fuel, but you you will see a fast adoption of this once it becomes a bit more commonplace.
0: Oh yeah, so just sort of the casual observers going, what's going on in hydrogen? What can you what what can you say? Maybe in five years, they'll be seeing. Uh, just generally, maybe.
1: Yeah, look, um, Bill Gates has a classic saying, right? He says people overestimate what's going to be achieved in two years, but grossly in, underestimate what can be achieved in five. I think um, in five years, you will see a number of vehicles on our roads powered by hydrogen. I think you'll see trucking, buses, uh, some marine applications, uh, and also a number of cars, and the first few aviation forays into into hydrogen. So I think within five, you'll see that.
0: Um, any other sort of key points you think people should be aware of in in the hydrogen space. Oh, look,
1: the key thing is um it's safe. You know, safety's all about management systems, no different to petrol, diesel, LNG, whatever. So, hydrogen's a safe fuel. Um, it's a zero emission. Yeah, all the noise that we uh as a as a world, we are looking for a solution to emission reduction. That's going to come from a number of different things like we have you know, different grades of petrol, diesel, LNG, CNG, batteries now, you're just going to see a whole smorgasbord of future fuels as well. Hydrogen is one of them. It's not necessarily better or worse than anything else that's on the market. It just has a different applicability. So, you know, that's a key thing. It's It's not a EV or hydrogen. It's about a number of solutions to enable us to clean up our environment.
0: I think it's my main questions. Anything else you think I should be?
1: We should cover off. Um, I think one of the key things is that New Zealand leads the world in some of the technology development. So, you know, this is a really exciting time for New Zealand to build jobs, uh, intellect, IP, uh, export opportunities. What, what what we're going through, it's almost like going from the horse to the steam engine, or the horse to the car, the internal combustion engine. It's that similar sort of change. It's a significant shift in the platform that we use, we take for granted every day around mobility. So it's it's a great time to be in the whole mobility space um, and energy space. So yeah, we're you know New Zealand might be a little bit behind in our thinking about hydrogen and our adoption of it, but we definitely lead the world in some of the technology for making. And utilizing it.
0: I think that's a very good point to um, finish on. Great. I think that's all my questions. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks for the chance to talk. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for your time.